0: Welcome to the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. We're doing a five part series where each episode is a recording we did while in colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. This is part four of five. Episode 24 Peyton Randolph House. The Peyton Randolph House was the home to one of America's most prominent families and was a stark contrast between freedom and slavery. The tour offered a deeper knowledge of the early African-American experience and shared how the enslaved members of the household struggled to find their own roads to freedom. Old fashioned term for closet is room between other rooms and it is, this is the uh, back door to her husband's office, the door to the passage, the door to the parlor and the door to the walkway and the kitchen. So she's got two nice windows, to so look out and make sure all her people are doing what they're supposed to do. Because there are 27 enslaved folk on this property. Yes, I know, that's an obnoxiously large amount of enslaved people on an urban place. But that's what they do have here. And you look at the 48 tablecloths, you realize it. Yeah, that they have a lot of people doing laundry. and a lot of people to do laundry for. Now, the house is from 1717 and 1759 but the stuff is from 1775 because that's where we had an inventory at the year of peyton's death we know what he had in 1775 and so we see in the inventory in mrs randolph's closet it says in that inventory a pair of a set of old blue damask curtains a desk and a bookcase a spice box A sundry items on Mrs. Randolph's desk, a looking glass, a dressing table, and an old soft chair, in covered in blue, old blue damask. So we've got that room covered. You'll notice, though, there's not a lot of details with her, you know, because this is what she's inheriting from him. You know, her clothes, her jewelry, any gifts he gave her, her musical instruments, her book—those are hers. Anything that came in from the marriage as part of the dowry is hers and will not be listed on that inventory. So do think in your mind that there's a few more feminine touches that we just don't know about. When you're looking at this house, realize that every room it has some panelling. Every room, almost, almost every room has a little bit of marble in here. So when you're comparing it to the size of the with house, don't, because that's 1755 built more commodious, but the details in this house are finer, Okay, older, but finer. Mm -hmm. Questions before we go and sit down? Do they typically take inventory of all their items in the house, including the drapery? It's a little creepy. Um, When you have, when you inherit three trustees, men, Walk through your house, have the right to open your closets, sit, open your drawers, talk to your people, que- You know, question them, look at them, size them up. Then they sit at a table and they comprise one list and they bicker over what the worth is. And then whatever they publish, those three trustees, you pay tax on, Any inheritance tax. Isn't that creepy? Yeah, yeah. Harrison Randolph. She is a Harrison. Her brother Benjamin did sign the Declaration of Independence. Uh, this is a power couple, and they have no children of their own. And in the early days, we used to say, oh, poor childless couple. So, uh, but now, in 80 years, we've learned a lot more that even though they didn't have children of their own, she is raising. they are raising her niece, Elizabeth Harrison, the niece, um, because she's been orphaned. And so we have a teenager in this house. And then his and her nephews uh, are are running around this house, using this house like a hotel. And her sisters have kids, and they come and visit too. So there's a lot of family around this house. So no, it's not a quiet house. It's not a quiet house at all. This is not my favorite picture of him. He's about 54 years old here. And people have told me, they've told me, that this shaves a couple pounds off. He's about six foot two or three, 300 pounds. Silas Dean called him large, but not out of proportion. His <laughs> cousin Thomas Jefferson calls him inert. Another quote, uh, oh, paraphrase now. Um, uh, large of body, um, yeah, uh, but a sound legal mind. Um, there is another picture of him in our National Archives. Charles Wilson Peel did it of him about 35 years of age. And he kind of looks like in that picture alive. Peel does a great job of making people look alive. Um, and, and he kind of looks like a hoss from bonanza with a wig. Mm-hmm. You know, large but not out of proportion. Yeah. Here he just looks large. large. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little bit of a tummy was—it was an attractive thing. That means you were eaten, you know. Whereas, you know, and Pegs were—were was working man. Sign of a working man. You wanted good thighs and good calves because that means you were riding horses and fencing, right? A little bit of stomach was great. Maybe he'll share, <laughs> right? So. Uh, when his daddy dies, at, when he's fourteen, his mom, Lady Susanna, makes sure he gets the best education money can buy. <clears throat> he gets tutors. He goes to William and Mary. He goes to London, England, Inns of Court, Middle Temple, becomes a barrister, and that comes with the caveat of being able to practice law anywhere in the British Empire. He comes home because of his connections. He is one of the youngest. 22 years old, Attorney General ever, <laughs> and when he becomes Speaker of the House of Burgesses much later, he passes that job to his baby brother John the Tory, right, the loyalist, and before he goes off to England over there, uh, he has other roles here. He does do some lawyering. He uh, provides some legal opinion. Uh, Jefferson does not fault his legal mind at all. Just his physicality. (laughs) Um, He is um, on many committees on the vestry and is takes seriously his leadership on the public mental hospital, which is a a new kind of thing, taking care of the mentally ill. Uh, He is president of the first Continental Congress. He is sent up to Congress. I mean, he makes such a show as Speaker of the House of Burgesses and President of the conventions. And then it goes up to Congress. He's considered uh, one man that can bring all these different peoples together, so they make him President. He does step down for a while to come home and attend to Virginia business, and then goes back up there. There's been a seat warmer up there. You know his name, that pirate. John Hancock, right? And when he goes up there again, he fully expects Hancock to step down and he can just slide back in his seat. Uh, But, um, well, he goes to dinner the night before and he's in bad shape anyway. They had two carriage accidents on the way up to Philadelphia, and I often wonder if that might have done something. So he's sitting at dinner, he starts choking, his face is palsy, and he dies of an apoplectic fit within hours. A stroke, some people say, but the paper says apoplectic fit. Uh, uh, Congress is going to take care of the funeral, the father of our country, used for this guy long before it's used for that other guy. right? And uh, there are 40,000 people living in and around Philadelphia at the time. Our largest city by far, 15,000 people show up for the funeral. And they borrow a vault, yeah, that's a lot of people back in the day. They borrow a vault up there temporarily, and he is buried up there. She comes home with his serving man, John Harris or Johnny, her serving woman Eve, one unnamed enslaved person, and her nephew Edmund, the only male heir in the family. Edmund Randolph is John the Tory's son. Ah, but Edmund is a patriot. Stays with his uncle. It's tearing daddy up. I've seen one of the letters, and it says, "Come back to your family. Come back to your senses." In other words, you're killing me, kid. <laughs> uh, but he is later becomes. Uh, Edmund becomes a governor of Virginia. So, yeah comes back here, and later on, he, the body is brought back and he is buried under the College of William and Mary. When she dies, she's buried under the College of William and Mary, and in secret, much later, Ariana, the daughter of John the Tory, Sneaks his body into Virginia, right. and they bury him before anybody knows. Under a the college <laughs> in there, because that would old not have gone on. He was about fifty-four years old. They're within an age. he lives another six years, so he's already considered old. Men live forty to forty-five. Women thirty to thirty-five. Yeah. So you know, uh, so he is already considered an old man. We're going to go in this way. We're going to see the passage. When he's a little boy, this passage is fine. The stairs are just fine. When it gets to that size, that's why he's got to put the addition on. We're going to pass by his office, which was his daddy's office. And you might wonder why we've got six bookcases full of books in there. And that's because that inventory tells us so. His books, Witt's (coughs) books, and Jefferson's books become the basis of our Library of Congress in Washington, D.C., and then at the top of the stairs, you're going to see the room for the nephews. And then they use this place like a flophouse, like a hotel. They're here, they're there, they're all over the place. It's William, Her- I mean, Randolph Harrison and Harrison Randolph. That's it. If you like what you've heard, just continue to listen to us. If you want to follow us another way, you can at our website at www.unnamedadventures.com or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash unnamed adventures.